Hello, I'm Michael Heyman, and you're listening to Changemakers. This week, we're putting a spotlight on the Amos Bursary, a London charity creating opportunities for young people from African and Caribbean descent to excel in education and beyond. And we're going to do this through the stories of two outstanding people with a keen involvement. Richard Butler was part of the inaugural cohort of Amos Bursary students back in 2009. And more than 10 years on, he's thriving in a role with Alliance Global Investors. Of the bursaries, he said this, I knew it could get me somewhere. I didn't know how far it could take me. And with him is Daniel Nurse, a student development expert and also the man who mentored Richard through his Amos bursary journey and has become a lifelong friend in the process. Guys, welcome to Changemakers. Absolute pleasure to have you on the show. I'm going to start, uh, Richard, with you, if I may, with that wonderful quote. I knew it could get me somewhere. I didn't know how far it could take me. Well, give us a sense of where you started and where you are today. Hi there, Michael. Uh, very, thanks very much for having us on. I, I think that quote really echoes, you know, sort of the sentiment and environment of where I was coming from. So just context for the listeners. Uh, grew up on an estate in East London, Hackney, um, in the 90s and early two, what, 2000s. Um, and for those of you that don't know, it's very, very much you know, demographics-wise with things like gangs, drugs, all sorts of other activity. Um, but myself and my parents were very, very strong in education and pushing that kind of narrative, both being West African um, born immigrants, both from Ghana. Um, so in the household, we always had a strong influence when it came to sort of guidance and discipline and focus on education. Um, and thankfully, I was you know, had a half decent brain in my head. I wouldn't call myself Einstein. Um, but I always used to look at my environment and think there must be something else. Mm. There must be something different. So how did you find the bursary? So I was actually approached by my head of sixth form at the time, um, a gentleman called Mr. Surety. I actually owe him a lot um, for that privilege. And, you know, he sort of explained the process and explained a bit about what the Amos bursary was about. Uh, But I think on the surface at at that age, I think it was the first year of sixth form, which was about 16, 17, going on 17, 17 years old, you, you don't quite understand the magnitude of what may be coming. And, you know, but I was keen and, and I really want to advance in terms of my individual and change my sort of social surroundings. So for me, this was an opportunity that I really wanted to be a part of. And we're going to fill in the gaps in the middle in a minute, but where you are today, you've got a job in financial services. Um, you're working with Alliance Global. We, you've already corrected me about the pronunciation. I've got it wrong every time I've said it, but I think you're, uh, you're, you're working very much closely there, are you not? Yeah, so I work in a portfolio construction role, which is a bit, essentially like a, an investment modeling um, quantity type um, function for a uh, global fixed income desk, um, working with institutional clients. Um, as you can imagine, you know, pretty fast-paced, um, quite strenuous job at times. But it, it's what I've always wanted to do. You know, I've always said that I wanted to be close to the markets and you know, finally landing a role like this was, you know, the mini dream come true. So, so we, we've met the um, we've met the mentee. Let's meet the mentor um, because, Daniel, welcome. Uh, welcome to the show. Hi, um, Michael. Very you, nice to be here. Yeah, I mean, let's talk about the Richard you met back in 2009 and, and your route into, into actually getting involved with, with the bursary. But let's start with Richard, if we may. Yeah, sure. So in, in 2009, uh, re- rewinding back then, uh, Richard was just a, uh, a wide-eyed young man and 
all I saw was <laughs> boot cuts and fitting <laughs> suits. And um, but now look, at, just looking at where he's he's got to, um, I suppose he was he was really a man with uh, well a young man with uh, lots of potential, lots of drive, but with, I suppose without much direction. And I think the bursary helped him to to really find his way and 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 really develop as as a person, as a professional. Um, and credit to him because he's really um, taken every opportunity that the bursary has presented to him. And now he gives back to the bursary um, in a, in a really purposeful way. So, um, yeah. What the sort of things you were doing together? What, what, how does it work as, as a mentor? So as, as a mentor, really, there, there are lots of different perspectives on how to, uh, how to best mentor. Would, you know, do you uh, help the person to, to grow? Do you support them through, uh, all of their kind of ups and downs? Do you try to guide them or try to uh, educate them? Um, and I think really you have to find your own path. Um, you have to develop some rapport between you and the mentee and really make sure that that relationship works for the, for the both of you. Um, with Richard, it was easy. Um, he's a really uh, down-to-earth person and I think so am I. So um, but, By the way, I mean, I mean, I've got the benefit of being able to see you on this interview. There is a great chemistry between the two of you guys, which I guess has been built over the years through trust and achievement together. But I'm sort of thinking, going back in terms of that that first year, 2009, in terms of the the job to do, the, you know, what we talk about 11 years ago now, in terms of the Richard that you met then. I mean, I, I get it. Where 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 he is today accomplished and confident i'm just sort of getting want to get a sense of the journey that you had to go on together in in terms of that that overall mentoring and bursary experience i i think it would be good if i sort of chime in here because this is giving me uh flashbacks to the first time i actually met um daniel and you know i, I was really really shy like awfully shy and reserved um I think it came from an inner lack of belief and maybe confidence in myself mm. and my ability. And I think that was coupled with just the, the world of the unknown. I knew there was so much I did not know. And I think that really unsettled me as an individual. Um, for me, what I'd say my mentors did for me is really, one, being a sounding board for you know, any ideas and thoughts I had. But two, you know, somebody used to just kind of shake you up a bit. It's like, okay, Richard, if you say, for example, I wanted to be an investment banker, what do you know about the industry? What do you know about what's going on in current affairs at the moment? Do you really mm. want this? Because um, the calibre of individual that's going to that place is really rigorously grilling themselves. Did you know that's where you wanted to go in that direction? Or was that all part of the journey of the discussions and the mentoring in terms of opening up that story? Or did you just have a view of, I know what I want to do? So for me, it was, and this is actually um, sort of thanks to Clean, Clean Amos, um, OB, our noble CEO and, and leader of the charity. He's going to like this episode, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> when, we, when we sort of had discussions about what I was looking at doing and so forth, you know, and sort of other mem team members that we had at the time, you know, very much put me in contact. I knew it would be in the finance world. It was sort of trying to hone down into where exactly it was meant to be. So I sort of met people in the accounting world. Um, I remember one particular uh, meeting that Colleen set up for me and I'm, I'm going to sort of tell the mini story because I think it's, well, I find it quite funny. Um, so it was with a mortgage manager of Metro Bank. And, you know, we're sitting down, we're talking about his business line and what he does. And he said two things, Richard. 
Uh, firstly, your top button's not done up. I was wearing a tie and then left the top one up. So a rookie error at that age. And secondly, um, he said, you know, you're bright, you're, you're ambitious. Um, I can tell you're driven, but you're not interested in my business area. And that was like, was correct. I was not interested in selling mortgages. So I said to myself, what, outside of academia, what, when I pick up and I read, when I, I research things, when I look for things, what am I drawn to? And I found that was to the back pages of, of the newspapers. And whenever my dad was watching Bloomberg, he was watching the markets, what was going on, who was buying who, what kind of investment decisions are being made. And I was like, oh, maybe it's the investment industry is where I'm interested in. Daniel, just frame the Amos bursary for us from a, a day-to-day perspective in terms of what it does and what you do with it. Sure. So the, the Amos Bursary, for those for those that aren't, aren't familiar with the organisation, really, it's, it's a charity that really helps um, young men and now women um, of Afro-Caribbean descent um, to, re- to realise their potential. Um, so really, it works with them from their, uh, from their journey from, from lower sixth form uh, through university and into the professional uh, world. So really, it helps to set them up with uh, mentoring opportunities and internships and uh, workshops to really help that transition from sixth form to uh, the professional world. Mm. I interviewed Valerie and Colleen about ab- about the bursary, and of course, this is the the episode that goes alongside um, your interview. And what they spoke about was that they wanted to challenge the narrative about young black men in society um, and in terms of what they could achieve and the self-belief to go there, but also to wake up the business world um, to um, the opportunities of talent that they weren't taking advantage of. I'd love to get um, the kind of experience of that from you guys in terms of how you see it and and your own experience of it, Richard? Why don't you kick us off? Sure. Um, you know that's that's a really interesting, um, a really interesting aspect. I think of the journey is you know you, you do a lot of the prep work within sort of the Amos Bursary, wider communities and networks to you know as a young person ultimately get yourself a job in your profession of choice at the highest level possible. And I think going through the ranks, you know, in during university, it's kind of fine. You understood what the rules you're playing by, as I like to say. Um, but getting into the interviewing process and beyond is where the big stumbling block seemed to be. And it was really, really difficult to understand like, why am I not able to make these sort of incremental steps in my head to the what is meant to be the next stage. And and if you were to put your finger on it on, on the stumbling blocks, I mean I mean it, I mean was that racism? Was that prejudice? Was that do you think? Or 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 was it something else? Was it misunderstanding? What what do you think it was? It's it's um for me looking forward and looking back, I'd have two different views. So I'll say looking back, there was one aspect of understanding, you know, uh, let's say an application process for an asset manager. What is that? really look like what are they looking for writing in their style and language what skills do you have that are transferable but also looking from a young person looking forward I very much did see the you don't fit the mold of what we're used to we're just going to overlook you mm-hmm. um and you know I, I won't name the firm but I remember in in um with the first firm I worked for after university um I remember it was working for a recruitment firm and we were bringing some CVs and profiles forward and we were using 
alternative profiles. So they weren't Oxford and Cambridge, you know, people of different backgrounds, but they've really worked hard to get where they are. They've got the grades, they've got the smarts. Um, some of them working for some really good organisations throughout the city. And the hiring manager turned around and said, I'm not interested in any of those. Mm. I mean, Daniel, I mean, this is this is part of a major conversation now in terms of actually this kind of like missing out, actually. Uh, Ruby McGregor-Smith, Baroness McGregor-Smith was a guest. She she wrote the, uh, the McGregor Report, which basically showed just how much um, business is missing um, from talent, which is ethnically diverse um, and actually the opportunities, um, not only the obligations to actually create fairness, but the opportunities that are being missed by, by actually that thing about if every, if every candidate does have to, to fit the mold. I mean, presumably a lot of what you're doing is, is I guess, mentoring in terms of, well, how do you go through established processes? But you're also, I suppose, bringing out the individual, the confidence of the person to make their case when they're in front of the potential employer. Yeah, that's that's right, Michael. So I think part of your role as, as a as a mentor in the, in the MS Bursary is really to help people um, realise their potential and make sure that they don't have a, an imposter syndrome when they walk through the door. Um, really just making sure that they are as aware of, of the many opportunities out there in the, in the world um, and that they they know how to do how to get there if that's what they want to to do um, I think really it's it's equipping people with the tools that they need to um, to navigate the world and um, and really that's that's all we all we try to do um, once they are in those positions um, once they do get their foot in the door get those interviews, they'll be ready. They'll have the CVs, they'll have the interview techniques, they'll have the, um, you know, the, the, the comfort to, to, to walk into those interview rooms and, and give a good account of themselves and really get, get the job. So really that's, that's one of the key goals of the bursary. Mm. I mean, I, I'm interested that you're both, you, you're both still very much involved with the bursary, um, Richard, some 11 years later. Um, in terms of how things have changed in that period. Um, and when you, you, you look at um, other young black men that have come in um, to be uh, part of the bursary, is it better for them or, or is it still, or, or do you think there are still the same sorts of challenges um, and hurdles to overcome? One thing that I've noticed, you know, from when I graduated in sort of 2013 to now is the number of firms that are putting on, you know, schemes and programs to directly address the issue of diversity um, across all the boards, whether it's um, gender equality, whether it's disabilities, sexual orientation, ethnics and backgrounds. Um, and that's a massive difference. Uh, another strand is the working apprenticeships that are, are, are much more common now. Um, I think when I graduated, that wasn't really a viable option because there were so few of them. Mm. Um, so. But do I still think the issues persist? Yes, 100%. But I suppose I'm looking at it from, you know, from the perspective of young men that come into the bursary. And, and obviously, you know, you're going to extend this to, to, um, to young women as well this year. But a lot of what you spoke about um, earlier in the interview and also that I read about was self-confidence was a real issue mm. at the start. Um, that actually the bursary was part of an experience that allowed you to 
unlock and release the drive and the energy and the ambition that you had and to find a pathway for that. What I'm sort of, and maybe it's with Daniel, you coming in on this, because I suppose on, on the mentoring side, in terms of the issues that you're finding in 2021, are they fundamentally the same as those you were finding back in 2009? Um, that's, that's a good question, and uh, there's uh, certainly a lot to uh, to unpack there. I think the stats will tell you that th- that there is still a long way to go. Um, you know, there's there's one one side of, of of looking at things is saying, okay, there's there's uh, there are a lot more organisations now looking to, um, to 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 look at their recruitment practices and make sure that there is that representation at, at all levels, making sure that the pipeline of, of of young black students um, is really um, given the opportunity and the platform to um, to, to join their, their organisation. Um, but there's also a, 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 yeah, they also have to look at the uh, the retention of those uh, those same people and how they make sure that they're retained in inside their organisations and uh, and progressed and promoted and. Uh, later take on leadership roles and i think that's where uh there's still a lot more progress to be made does the bursary stay alongside people on that journey i mean once you're in i mean sort of you know richard and successors still come back to say well look i want to go further up my ladder you know in terms of my career how do i do that or or are you very much then on on your own at that point i'm just i i can personally speak from from that aspect of things where, you know, it's no longer just about the personal development as a student, um, but now as a graduate or somebody in the working world, it's now connecting the, um, yourself to the wider Amos Bursary Network across mm. different fields, across different areas. And there's, there's some wonderful people um, involved with them. I mean, when you, when you look at the website and, and the sorts of people in, in business and in, in public life. But I think the question I would ask to you both is, Last year, um, Black Lives Matter exploded in in terms of marches and in terms of the, you know, the, the sentiment that things needed to change and they needed to change quickly. Um, did they, Daniel? Hmm. <laughs> I, I don't think anyone was really expecting change overnight, um, and obviously that that hasn't happened um i think the best that um really that that we were hoping for was was some kind of incremental change and and really um we we wanted to use the momentum of of that moment to bring about any kind of um uh, i suppose uh, make sure that all of the issues that we uh were, were feeling all the emotions um could be um, directed in, in, a, in, a, in a way that was uh, productive and constructive and I think it's part of a process so I think there is there has been some progress and, and it's good to see that from some employers um, but there's still a long way to go. Mm. Richard what, what was when you sort of um, think back to last summer what did, what did it mean to you? For me personally um I think it's interesting when when you're commonly you're aware of a, a common issue, and and I think last summer was maybe the first time for a lot of people 
that they really sat and thought, wow, this actually is a problem. Um, you know, it's happened many times before, but I think the wide scale um, issues were really, really highlighted across multitudes of levels. Um, you know, again, I, I'm, I can't really speak of what's happened, you know, before the time I've been alive, but I think this has been really one of the key moments that's really allowed people to start doing mm-hmm. things. Um, and does this does this reframe the bursary in any way in terms of the mission in 2021 going forward, do you think? Personally, I wouldn't say so. Um, and that's bluntly because the groundwork of what we're doing is turning young African-Korean men and, uh, and women to becoming their best version of themselves. Mm-hmm. And we will continue to do it regardless of the environment. Does it change the scale, though? Maybe to Daniel, does it does it change the, the the scale of the operation in terms of just how much work you might be able to now do? Well, hopefully, hopefully, Michael. I, th- I think, as as we said before, that there there is a um, there are imbalances in in, in society that uh, the the bursary, I suppose, will have liked to have uh, co- corrected um, and will continue to keep working to. Um, so, hopefully the uh i suppose the spotlight will now allow the bursary to to do much more work in in the community mm. richard if 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 there's a, a chief exec or somebody from a company listening to this interview right now i think i might i might sort of um want to know a bit more about um about the amos bursary what what would you say to them in terms of why it might be a really good thing um for them to sort of open their doors to to get involved with in essence, I think what the Amos Bursary does that is maybe slightly and uniquely different from other um, sort of schemes and programs is that the focus really is a student. Um, we have a holistic approach to personal development. So, for example, cool. something I've been, you know, I've had the pleasure of doing a couple of years ago, I took a, a group of Amos Bursary students on a cultural tour around Tuscany. Now, it's not just about the grades, we understand the social capital is important. We also understand that giving back to the community is important. My current mentee runs a social enterprise, which is all about opportunities for young people. So mm-hmm. it, it's almost a, you know, yes, we are investing in these young men and women now, but the onus is that we are here to make a change within communities far and wide. Yeah. I mean, I love that about your story that you've gone on to mentor yourself, that actually this is a big part of you giving back, which is also a big part of the bursary's ethos, I guess. Um, how how easy is that um, in a year where the pandemic has been so stressful on society and on um, on people everywhere, Daniel? In terms of, I guess that that give back ethos. Do you think it, do you think it's strengthened or weakened by what we're going through at the moment? I think I'd say it's. It's. I think I say it's. I say it's. It's strengthened. <laughs> I was about to say weak <laughs> in there, but uh, I mentioned. Oh, but you are obviously thinking about it because I mean, that, yeah. I suppose there's a balance here, isn't there? Yeah, that that that's right. I think maybe at the beginning of the of the pandemic, and everyone you know jumped on on Zoom calls, and we felt maybe slightly more connected um, than than we were before, and then after a while, everyone was kind of over zoom um but but really now when things have, have begun to settle down um i think you do realize that which you do kind of realize which relationships are worth investing in which ones um will stand the test of time and hopefully 
uh, our mentees and our mentors are continuing that, those relationships to, to continue to build on the relationships that, that they've, they've created and Zoom and Teams and all of the other apps are, are really helping them to connect with much more quality than they were before. And if I could wave a magic wand from the perspective of, of, of the bursary right now in terms of the sorts of things that it needs to prosper, I mean, do, do you need more men, men, more mentors, more mentees? Is it more more corporate involvement? What, what are the going to be the things that help really help it uh, go forward? Well, I think financially, um, the bursary is always looking for um, for, for donors financially to, to support the work that, that, that it does. Um, essentially, most of, the, most of the work is done by, by volunteers, but there is a, a small stipend given to the, to the students to really help them settle down at, at university and help them through that. Um, also looking for corporate sponsors, really to help uh, provide opportunities, internships, uh, work experience placements, and, and um, obviously any other training that they can provide. And then I think finally, in terms of the, the mentors, uh, always looking for mentors and to help, uh, I suppose, scale the, the bursary and uh, take it to as many students as possible. Mm. Um, I think it's just important to say that the, the, the mentors don't need to be from an Afro-Caribbean background. I think um, sometimes you just need someone to, who's willing to make that connection, who can um, help to inspire the next generation um, so really, from whatever background um, you are, professionally, um, ethnically, um, geographically, it really doesn't matter. Mm, brilliant. Richard, last question to you, if I may. Um, you realise the magnitude of what the bursary was trying to achieve at a House of Lords event in the first year that you attended. I want you to try and sort of summon up that feeling in terms of what it was. And, and if you were to leave people with something to think about in terms of the bursary and in terms of, I guess, the call out that Daniel has made in terms of why get involved, why donate, why become um, a mentor um, as part of it. What, what would your thoughts be? Take us back to that reception to start with. Uh, funny enough, I was actually looking at the, um, a picture and, and one of my, my, my co Amos Bursary Scholars um, yesterday just reminiscing on it and just you can see the, the overly baggy suits and <laughs> <laughs> the, the tie a, a little bit too short and it just kind of gave me a real flashback to you know what the microcosm of what I was living in at that time was um, for me walking into the House of Lords again a, a building uh, an environment I'd never been in before was so far away from day-to-day -day life. And I remember being with uh, my mum and dad at the event. Um, and I remember them vividly just standing at the back of the room, just with the biggest smiles on their face. Haven't <laughs> said anything or done anything. They were just so proud that their son could be in a room like this. Um, but what it was for me was looking around the room and seeing the kind of people that we were interacting with um, from all walks of life, whether it's politics, whether it's business, philanthropy. Um, and again, as Dan mentioned, from all spectrums um, of ethnicity and really seeing that somebody out there is here because they believe in changing the dynamic and they believe in you as an individual. Probably was one of the first times I've ever experienced that in my life. Mm -hmm. um, knowing that there's people that genuinely care and genuinely trying to do something. And that, that day set the framework for the future for me. I said, if this is where I can go, 
there is no reason for me to take this with both hands and literally run 100 miles an hour. Um, and I think that's what I'd, I'd like to think that's what, what I did. Um, now coming full circle of going through my career journey and so forth, um, doing similar work within my own corporate space and diversity inclusion um, committee, and also now being uh, on the board of the Amos Bursary. Full circle. I mean, it's absolutely brilliant. I mean, you know, you said there about running at 100 miles an hour. I mean, it's been a pleasure to run this interview at 100 miles an hour, Richard and Daniel, because it's it's been a great double act. My guest today, Daniel Nurse and Richard Butler, two people demonstrating that when the right opportunities are created and institutions open up their minds and their doors to all, talent progresses. It's been a story of driving for better and being motivated by people around you to strive for achievement. And for more stories of inspiration, do join me again for Changemakers.